0: Welcome to episode 15 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, part of the Pinstripe Alley community of podcasts. Sean and Ryan with you, as always, for another week, a special week this time, Sean. We talked to Ryan Rucco of uh, the S-Network, ESPN, the R2C2 podcast, recently filled in for John Sterling, who we, of course, offer our best wishes to, uh, missing uh, more time to rest up. We hope everything's okay there. But, Sean, this was, I think, one of our favorite interviews. It was really awesome to... Talk to Ryan and just get a look into what it's like to, you know, literally build friendships with guys like CC Sabathia and, and announce the Yankees, a team that he loved growing up. So that was a uh, that was really fun to kind of walk in his shoes for a half an hour.
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like Ruko was sort of like the one that represents the many. Like he's just like he's lived the dream of he did exactly what he what he set out to do. Right? He's he's a fan, but so we kind of lived through him, and and it was awesome to talk to him and. Yeah, I mean, he did an awesome job filling in for John. He does an awesome job when he's called upon with the Yes Network. And, um, yeah, I mean, definitely could be a feature voice of the Yankees, which would be awesome. But he's doing some great things with his podcast and, uh, and the NBA as well. So I'm sure he's going to have a ton of opportunities. But he was awesome, gave us a ton of time, and it was a really fun interview. So I'm excited for everybody to hear it. And yeah. I'm really excited because – what a friggin' win last night! I mean, what a great game! One of, one of. We were talking last episode about our favorite wins from the first half. But right here, this is going to be tough to top for the second half.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, I think if we pushed that question that we asked before the All Star break and gave, gave this last week to be included as part of that uh, sample size when we were talking about our favorite games of the season so far, I'd probably pick this one for uh, a number of reasons. You had fired up CC again, which is always entertaining to watch. You had the Yankees trying to get out of an offensive funk that's stretched, you know, since the last weekend before the All-Star break. And you had a team coming off a really, really bad loss after Chapman gave up the... uh, third home run of the game to Yogi Berra or Travis Darnot, whatever, whoever you want to call him, Babe Ruth at this point against the Yankees. <laughs> um, and But no, the Yankees come through. I think who came through also made it that much sweeter. Uh, Judge, the home run numbers have been kind of down. Obviously, he's still knocking the crap out of the ball. Just a lot of it's on the ground. But then he uh, drills a home run to right center after hitting one just foul. It's funny because <laughs> um, I was watching, I was streaming the game, because I wasn't watching it on my TV, so I was a little delayed, and I saw yours and uh, our other brother Kyle's text in our group chat going nuts. And while I was getting that text, I was I was seeing the ball go foul. I'm like, "What the hell are they talking about? Like this <laughs> this ball is foul." Wait, you
1: thought we pulled a Sterling?
0: <laughs> yep. And uh, but uh, obviously he straightens it out a bit and goes yard. And then Didi, who had been in a, I think a one for twenty five slump or something like that, just crushes a, a grand slam. That pitch was four. The pitch was four feet, two inches off the ground. Uh, I think I saw on Twitter that's the highest pitch hit for a home run this year. And he really went up and got it. And obviously that bat flip was just uh, salivating to look at. That was just awesome. And, yeah, just a a great, great win for the Yankees to uh, kind of hopefully right the ship. They've been struggling at the plate. Obviously Luke Voigt has looked a little bit lost since he got back. He did get a base hit in that big inning, so hopefully – that's the start of something, but a lot, a lot of strikeouts looking for Luke Boyd as I think he's trying to get reacclimated after, you know, maybe he could have benefited from a brief rehab stint. who knows, he didn't miss too much time, but, you know, all things considered, I think uh, that's a huge testament to this team to come back from a loss like that and respond with a win like that.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Um, uh, you know, like I, I tweeted out, the team has – this team has more guts than last year's team does, and I don't know what it is because it's a very similar group. But um, maybe they just having one year together because the group changed a lot from 2017 to, to 2018. But they've done an awesome job at, at bouncing off the mat. You know, you have a terrible loss Monday, like you said, and then boom, they come back and put together one of their best performances. And as we spoke with Ruko, a lot of that started right after Cece had his. Flip out with obviously El Garcia. I'm not. If I was talking to you, (laughs) I'd be talking to you. (laughs) And it was it was awesome. Um, You know, it was it was such a crazy eighth inning because he hits the home run foul, and I'm like grabbing, I'm like squeezing my wife's shoulders. Like, what are you grabbing me for? It's a game. The next swing, I'm jumping up and down off the couch, and then Didi hits a grand slam, and you're jumping up and down off the couch again. It was it was an awesome game. Definitely the. The highlight one of the highlights of the year and it it really momentum doesn't exist in baseball but I think confidence does and that's I know I had said like CC kind of um woke them up out of their slumber but I think it was more of got them their swag back because they were going up after that they were attacking the zone attacking pitches they weren't so much on their heels it felt like um it felt like after it felt like they went from defensive at bats to offensive at bats after CC melted down. And I think that helped the Yankees get some of that, uh, get some of that attitude back and some, some of that swag that we haven't seen since um, since the break. So I, I I wouldn't call it sleepiness. I think every time a team looks and I looks a little bit um, sluggish offensively, you know, people complain about effort and stuff, but I would just say that, that they look looked confident um, after that, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, it was. And you know, Maybe I'm just looking at things more in a positive scope after a win like that and because we just talked to Ryan Rucco, who is just the epitome of positivity. But, you know, you think back to this very, very brief collective slump that the Yankees have kind of been in, um, you know, not mustering much much offense from the last two games in Tampa before the break to the eighth inning last night. And you think back to all the games that that included – Mm-hmm. And it, it included two wins and three one-run losses. So even with even with the offense struggling as badly as it was, the Yankees were still in every game. The three of those games were against a team that they're trying to put away in the division right now, against a playoff team. So, you know, dis- despite an offensive slump, the Yankees have still been in every game, and that's what you want in, in a contender. And that's also... You know, we also have to give credit. We obviously there's a lot of questions about the starting rotation, uh, a lot of noise being made about adding a starter at the trade deadline. But the starting rotation has been excellent of late, and that's the reason why the Yankees have been in all of these games despite the offense struggling. Another good outing from CC last night. Uh, Domingo Herman looked fantastic in his last start. A couple rough patches from Paxton in, in his usual first inning. Who I, I I'm ready to see him paired with an opener, but we. That's a different discussion for another time, maybe. But aside from that, he looked good. And, uh, yeah, the, the rotation's been very solid. And I think, I think without that efficiency from the rotation, the recent mini offensive slump could have resulted in, in a lot more losses than it did.
1: Yeah, the, you know, even the, the Hap game was, you know, he kept a minute. CC has a good start. I'm um, really excited for Tanaka Morton on Thursday. That should be fun. Or wait, no, wait, that's Hap Morton. I'm sorry. Sorry for yeah, that. But, uh, you know, Tanaka pitched well. And, and the pitching's been keeping the minute. It's been solid. And, and like you said, the, the one thing is that Paxton really hasn't, like, he has quality starts. But you, you expect more out, out of him. And that's i mean even though that they came back in that game and he only gave up two runs the rays also ran themselves out of a lot of innings that game um and and helped out paxton a lot it's just he hasn't hasn't been great but let's you know let's not try to dwell on that too much like you said let's be positive the pitching is looking good the lineup looks like they woke up last night um in a big 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 series um against the rays and um you know, a win tonight would be huge as we record here on a Wednesday afternoon because then you're guaranteed the split. You don't lose any ground. And, I mean, if you come out, you know, July 19th, up six games to start the day, I like where we're at. So,
0: Yeah, absolutely. It would be huge to uh, to get a win with, with Tanaka on the mound tonight in the Bronx. And hopefully that offensive production uh, carries over um, just, just to – you know, real quickly before we move on to go uh, back to this little offensive slide, we we saw we saw Didi break out with the grand slam. Uh, we saw the base hit from from Boyd, a double from Sanchez. Those are all guys that were that were kind of struggling, as was Edwin Encarnacion until the past couple of nights. He's he hit what three home runs in in four, a span of four at bats. Also had a a big double uh, not that long ago off the wall. So. Um, you know, out of all those guys that have that have been slumping, um, you know who who do you think is has pulled themselves out of it? Who do you think might still have some work to do? I think we can say Encarnacion is out of it.
1: Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say. Well, Edwin's been doing it now, um, hitting some mammoth shots too. Um, but Didi and and Gary, it was took until the eighth inning last night. So I think Edwin's. We could say it's been a little bit more consistent. Um, I. I, I think Didi gets hot first. I think this turns him or him around. I think Gary's just got to calm down a little bit. He's chasing out of the zone a little bit too much, um, so I think Gary will be Gary will be the last one to come around. But I think when he breaks out, it's going to be in a, the biggest way out of out of the, the three. So I would say Didi comes around now, gets hot now, and then Gary has some sort of explosion maybe in a week.
0: I would say uh, maybe two weeks because the countdown's on. It's July seventeenth as we record. Two weeks from today makes it the thirty-first, which means one day after that is August, and we all know what Gary Sanchez does in the month of August. So we are yeah, but, definitely but excited. They're,
1: and they're going to Fenway at the end of July, and he usually uh, oh, usually he does loves some air hitting air, it. Yeah. So that's why I, I think we're getting getting a, a Gary August extension. We're gonna start wow. Christmas come early. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's but, see. Uh, so, before we get into any kind of non game stuff, you know, we also had the series against the Blue Jays, which were some tight games, uh, but they won. Um, anything from, from that series stick out in your mind? Giorgela's slide was insane. Um, you know, they, they really got Babbitt to death on both sides of the ball on Saturday, a game we were both at. Um, shout out to at Batista with a one instead of an I for hooking dad and I up with the suite it was awesome I'm sure the standing room that you and Kyle were standing <laughs> in was was awesome too uh, it was a hot day but I mean we you know we had the air conditioning so it was cool but you know anything about that series stick out I thought it was just that to me it was a series where you knew they were scuffling a little bit but they still managed to pull out wins which to me is a sign of a good team that even when they're not firing on all cylinders they're able to still take a series at home that they should take
0: yeah I put no weight in that loss on Saturday I mean you look at some of the balls that DJ LeMayhew hit on that Saturday rips one right into right at the left fielder Another one right at the right fielder, Sanchez. Sanchez Uh, hit
1: two ball, line drive to third, and and then center, yeah.
0: And then the one that, I think it was uh, Grichuk, made that diving catch Mm -hmm. in center field. And then you look at the two runs that Toronto scored. They were on uh, little Texas leaguers that dunked in in the outfield grass. So I, I don't put any weight in that. Really the only thing that I take away from that series, aside from what I already said, the offense was struggling, but the starting pitching kept them in it. Is uh was Aaron Judge? I mean, the game we were at four for four, four balls hit over a hundred miles an hour, all on the ground, and that's kind of been, that's kind of been a trend for him this year. He, he's that the, not
1: pulling the ball.
0: Yeah, he, he's hitting the ball harder than ever before. If you look at his hard contact percentage, but he's also hitting it on the ground more than than ever before. And you know, he talked about it in spring training. This was going to be. You know, a focal point for him, shortening up his swing on two strikes, trying to cut back on strikeouts, and you know, look, he has a 9.72 OPS. No one should be complaining about about Judge. He's still one of the more productive hitters in baseball. You know, but you would also like to see all those hard hit balls get put in the air sometimes, because that means they're going to be home runs, which is like what, you, what you want from Judge, from someone who hit 52 home runs his rookie year and then another 27 the year after, which included seven weeks of not playing. So you know the powers there, and you know is is this new approach, you know, really making a difference in terms of his strikeouts? I mean, his strikeout rate this year is only two percent lower than it was last year, but his his OPS with two strikes is is a uh, definitely higher. But I mean, what, what do you what do you make of that? Again, our Judge is Judge is still incredibly productive. We obviously he's obviously maybe the most important player on this team. Um, it was it a was good sign last night seeing him. I'm pretty sure that was a two-strike low and away fastball that he hit out. So that was encouraging to see. You know it's still possible with his strength, but but what do you make of that?
1: I'm not completely worried about it, and I'll tell you I'm gonna use a Tino quote to explain why. Oh. He Tino said, Don't worry about the home runs. They're like bananas, they come in bunches. <laughs> and no, I mean, not not to be overly funny. But, you know, he hits the home run in London. Then he comes and he hits two against Tampa Bay. So he had a little streak there. Then you had the all-star break. And then he just hit one yesterday. So he could be about to get hot. I mean, they do – you know, they usually come three, four at a time. So um, I, I think he's going to start elevating. I think maybe he, he – I feel like once you get one out of the way, it's a little bit pressure off. So now he's going up. You're just attacking. And, um, I, and I think even with two strikes, with his shortened swing, one, you still could elevate the ball obviously. And – um, it just it, with the amount of with the strength that he has, he doesn't have to have his long, huge swing in order to put the ball over the seat. So I'm I'm not worried about it. Um, it's weird to me that he's not pulling the ball at all, basically. But um, at Yankee Stadium, that's not the worst thing in the world.
0: No, no, it's not. Although we did see Edwin Encarnacion try to do something similar when he first got here. He started hitting a lot of balls the mm-hmm. opposite way and he was struggling and now you look at the home runs he's been hitting and most of them are to left field so maybe he's getting back to his his bread and butter we'll see what happens with judge again I but every not. every hitter is different
1: yeah it's, no. it's like judge doesn't have a problem with it he's still you know like you said plus 900 ops so we're, we're good
0: yeah no no worries just an interesting change in approach mm. I, I would say but um yeah i mean while we're uh while we're all giddy and positive let's uh let's talk to to ryan rucco he was uh he came on to talk to us about his uh, experience in the booth and in the in the podcast room with guys like CC Sabathia and Cameron Maben and all these other interesting characters and just as a uh, just a like Sean said a great story about a, a diehard Yankee fan who has uh, made it in the industry and and like he told us has not become jaded by his experience he still geeks out at every moment he gets which is definitely refreshing to hear and I think will be refreshing for everyone else to hear so. After a quick break, we will talk to Ryan Rucco. Okay, everybody, we're joined now by an exciting guest, uh, Ryan Rucco. You can catch him on so many great platforms, the YES Network talking about the Yankees, talking about the Nets on the YES Network. You can catch him on the R2C2 podcast. And you can also catch him on ESPN announcing basketball games where he also does a great job. Ryan, thanks so much for uh, coming on and being a guest on a podcast when you're used to hosting one.
2: Hey, I'm happy to be with you guys. You guys have always shown great support. Love you guys' work, and I appreciate you having me on.
0: Awesome, awesome, and we and we loved your work in the radio booth last week, and which was a little unexpected, but you uh, filled in for for John Sterling, and obviously we, we wish him all the best. But but just what was what was that experience like? I I could imagine that it was on. You know, relatively short notice, and you're also filling in for a guy who hadn't missed a game since 1989, but you filled in nicely, worked great with Susan. Just what was that experience like filling in for someone who I'm sure you, you know, grew, like us, grew up listening to every day? Yeah,
2: man, it was amazing.
0: And let me first just say,
2: as a PSA, um, I got a lot of people after Tuesday night's comeback win saying, like, oh, I loved your calls on the radio. Tuesday night against the Rays was Chris Carino, who was filling in for John Sterling. And I know that's not what you were saying, but I just wanted to let people know, um, because, uh, a lot of times, even when Chris does some nets on, yes, people will mistake us for each other. And I want to make sure that, uh, when people are reaching out saying like, Oh, you sounded great last night. No, it it wasn't me. Yes. It did sound great because it was Chris Carino who does an unbelievable job. So he was the one who did Tuesday night. But you're right, obviously, I got to fill in on the radio side uh, for the final four games before the All Star break, and it was amazing, man. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know the the circumstances of having a, a heavier load right now in both TV and radio. You know, you. you you, you don't want them, right? Like, you know, in Michael's case, you know, I hate that he's going through injury. And in John's case, you know, you want him to be, you know, always rested, ready to go. So, you know, so you always keep those circumstances, you know, in the forefront of your mind, but doing the actual gig was amazing. I have such reverence for that position because of what you were just talking about. You know, I grew up listening to John Sterling. I mean, that's, you know, And I and wanting to hear the Yankees win the Yankees win. And, and, you know, those were that really was the background to so many of my best childhood memories. So to get to be the guy who, you know, was the person who was there when the streak ended and and to get the honor of calling those games uh, was honestly it was amazing. And it was funny because I've gotten to do a lot of really cool high profile stuff, um, which I'm blessed to do. I am not sure I've ever done anything that got more of a reaction than those games on radio, which just shows you, you know, I think it's a Testament to the Yankees and to radio as a baseball medium. And I think it's also a Testament to John, you know, and then showing just how much he means because a lot of people were tuning in because of how much they love John and the standard he set. So it was awesome, man. And Susan was so cool to work with. Uh, we, I thought we had like a really good rapport, probably even better on air than I thought it was going to be
0: just cause we had never worked together um, but I was so happy with the way everything went. And it seems like everyone else was really happy, too. You got very, very positive uh, feedback on Twitter for the games that you actually did announce uh, <laughs> over in, in Tampa Bay. And, you know, part of it, I think, is because you bring so much energy to, to the call. And I think it was really apparent in Tampa Bay in the game when Gardner hit the big home run in, in extra innings, I believe. And, you know, I just think about your excitement announcing games and just – What is it like, not just announcing professional baseball, but announcing the team that you have always loved in the Yankees? Am
2: I allowed to curse on this podcast, or do we all no? Let let
0: him out! Let him out! It's
2: so (laughs) fucking cool, man. (laughs) It 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 is though. I mean, it's it's so cool. Uh, I um I I feel like you know this is. You know, it's a dream I always had, you know, Um, and uh, and there are a lot of different things um, I could do in this industry that would fully satisfy and stimulate me um, in the professional part of my life, um, because I do love calling uh, multiple sports and I do love, you know, multiple franchises and leagues and and networks and, and things along those lines. But there is something in my heart that's always connected to the Yankees, you know, like I, you know, I. I grew up a diehard Yankee fan, and unlike some people who get into this business um, and, and you know, understandably become jaded to the teams they rooted for, I still feel very much like a diehard Yankee fan, you know? Um, and, uh, and so to be able to call these games um, and, uh, and to know that you're a part of the experience of Yankee fans, you know what I mean? Like, because to know that some people are either, in the case of radio hearing that moment come to life through my voice or on TV, helping shape the moment they're watching. Like that to me is the coolest thing to be able to help, like paint those moments for Yankee fans. Cause I know what it's like to be on that end of things. And I love this franchise so much. And you know, and it's cool to know, like I've been associated with the Yankees in one way or another since I was 19. And when I walk around the stadium, I just feel so connected to everybody there. Um, you know, whether it's people who work there, people who I work with directly at yes, the players in the clubhouse or it's the fans, you know, so I just, I always have felt like a Yankee. And so getting to actually broadcast these games, uh, it's, it's so cool for me. It really is. And it's cool for my family too. They get such a kick out of it.
1: You know, Ryan, speaking of being connected, it's you know, you said you grew up a diehard Yankee fan and I kind of feel like uh, we all grew up with the same era of Yankees. I think we're all about the same age. But I also think, man, I would just geek out if I were you. I mean, your friends like you grow up. You know you're 19 years old, so you basically grow up watching CC Sabathia, and now you're friends with CC Sabathia. When you, when you, I mean, when you brought up last or last on the last R2C2 that he texted you, you know, we're going to be friends a long time. This happens. I would have like the Michael Scott Jim reaction where I'd be like, best friends, you know? And what's it like <laughs> becoming friends with with CC Sabathia, Sue Bird? I mean, you drop like, oh yeah, Megan Rapino and I are, are are good friends. I mean, like these are some <laughs> of the titans of their sport. You go from I'm just a fan to I'm covering them to to now. How, that you've done so well in your job, you've gained so much respect that you're actually friends with them. Does it still make you geek out at all?
2: Definitely. You know, definitely. I mean, I think that, um, like my, so, like occasionally my mom, uh, or, or dad will say something like, come on, isn't it just crazy? Like, it's crazy. Like we used to think like, Oh, if you could just be like a bat boy or a ball boy for a day, how cool would that be? You know? Um, and now you're, broadcasting games next to David Cohn and Paul O'Neill, who you grew up, you know, idolizing, you know, Andy Pettit knows my name. He's my favorite athlete of all time, you know, and, 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 and in the case of, uh, yeah, of, of I mean, Cece obviously has become a good friend, you know, and, uh, and it is, there's definitely a part of me that's like, I mean, it's cool. It is cool. You know, I think, um, I think, all of those relationships in order for them to be genuine have to happen organically, right? Like you you don't go into it saying like, oh, that person's famous, cool, whatever. I want to be friends with them. It's just like, you know, you end up around each other a lot. And if you have common interests and respect for each other and what you do, you know, a lot of times you'll connect with different guys and uh, you know, and it just it happened really organically like that with CeCe and, and he's become you know, I've gotten to witness him being a great, like the great teammate he is to his guys on the Yankees that you guys see how much they love him. He's that great teammate to me too. And I have, you know, a million examples of the way he is uh, a great teammate to me. And it is cool for me to think about like, damn, man, like I was cheering this guy on, you know, you know, hoping the Yankees would sign him. And now, you know, we're boys like that is cool for me. And in the case of You know, like Sue and Megan, like they're two of my closest friends. And so seeing like the reaction to especially Megan right now, you know, coming off the World Cup, it's hilarious seeing like we were at dinner the other night. And, you know, uh, I I was at um, my favorite restaurant, which I introduced Sue to a few years ago. She became obsessed with it, became like her favorite spot in the city. And then we introduced Megan to it in the last year and she became obsessed uh, with it, Mark Forgione And, um, she actually, Megan, uh, last minute before they went to France, they had like some kind of exhibition here and, and she hit me last minute. She's like, yo, you think any way we could get in there? And she took a bunch of her team there. And it was like their last supper meal, if you will, before <laughs> they went. Um, and it's the most amazing place, but giving you that background just to say, so when we went the other night, it was like, you know, people go in there, like a lot of famous people end up in there. It's a great restaurant in New York that happens. Right. And it was funny, like multiple people going up to the table to ask Megan for a picture that never happens there. You know, like, like it doesn't happen. Tom Hanks goes in there to eat. Doesn't happen. You know, Dwayne Wade's in there to eat. Doesn't happen. So it just shows you like we, the GM of the, of, um, of the restaurant, Matthew Conway and me were laughing about like, damn, that's the level Megan's reach right now. We're like, she's getting treatment. Tom Hanks isn't even getting there, but it's, you know, what's cool about it? Like, it's just, it's cool because they're like, I mean, Sue Berg could be the coolest person on the planet, you know, like it's cool because they're cool, interesting people, uh, who have beautiful hearts and, and who you who it's just like, it's just fun getting to know those people, whether they worked in sports or otherwise, you know, and the fact that they get exposed to these awesome experiences and get to share them with you and talk about them. It definitely becomes a really cool, awesome thing for me to experience as well.
1: That's awesome. And, um, you know, you had your own chair, cool experiences in in high school. It sounds like I know you've tried to drop some of your your high school baseball career on the podcast, but playing playing alongside Joe Panic. Right. And um, and against Adam Ottavino, that that had to be a cool way to to grow up and, and what, what's it like playing against those guys and trying to compete with them? I mean, I run a men's team. If you're, if you're hanging with them and you want a couple at bats, you can come over to Jersey and play with us. Sure.
2: Man, let me me put it this way. You know, like, I don't know if you guys faced any um, future big leaguers or anything
0: like that growing up playing, but did you guys face any growing up at any point or like uh, let's see. I faced Jason Knapp. He was drafted in the second round by the Phillies, but unfortunately, he battled arm injuries ever since he uh, got drafted. But he threw a cool ninety-five. And then we played against Rick. Por- <laughs> we, we played against Rick Porcello's team, but we were lucky enough to miss his start. Actually, I would have rather probably played against him and struck out three times, just to say I played against him. But we missed his start. He was in the dugout though.
2: But but you guys know then, right? Like it's just. You know, when it's like, oh, you think you're good. And then you see these guys like, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. That's a different, (laughs) that's like a, a totally different level. Like I was a pretty good high school player, but Joe was absurd. Joe was on varsity as an eighth grader and was, you know, one of the top two or three players then. And, you know, by the time he was a freshman was the best player. And, um, we played summer ball together. I grew up playing with Joe's brother, who was also a really good player and a D1 scholarship player but Joe and I played summer ball together when Joe was in college. And I don't think I saw him swing and miss the entire summer. And it was like a really good summer league, you know, with like with guys who either were playing in college or who had just gotten out of college, you know, and so it was like, it was really good when bat league. And I was like, okay, you know, this guy, yeah, he's a little different, you know, like <laughs> never swings and misses, like just smokes every ball he hits and out of, you know, I remember when I was in high school and I stepped in against him. He threw a, a slider. Maybe it was more of a curveball at the time. I don't know, but I just remember being like, "That was different." You know, like the, <laughs> like it was it it was like it felt like it was like eighty seven miles an hour, which at that time that that would be a hard fastball, right? And then all of a sudden, just zoop, like drop right down, and I was like, "Holy cow, this is crazy!" Watching this, and I was so grateful to just be able to pop out against him because his, (laughs) I saw one fastball, one slider and I was like, yeah, this is the nastiest stuff I've ever seen. And then just kind of was able to make contact and, and pop out into shallow center. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and another thing I've noticed on, on your podcast is you're probably the most positive person I've ever listened to, like about everything. <laughs> and that's great because I can sometimes be a little bit more in the other direction. I mean, how do you say so positive about everything? Like, I feel like you like the Star Wars prequels, which a lot of people don't like. You were pretty on board. <laughs> you were pretty on board for Game of Thrones season eight, which like as it was going on, I was like, oh no, they're ruining this. But you, you kind of kept the positivity. You kind of kept me up through the, the finale. And, uh, yeah. How do you stay so positive? Well, I'm glad I was able to do that. You know, I think it's definitely a commitment of mine.
2: I just feel like usually, you know, reaction and energy is a choice. And I always have this quote that I say, you know, would you rather be happy or would you rather be right? And I would rather be happy, you know? And so sometimes that means it's almost like when you're like, let, let's say Aaron Boone made a decision you didn't agree with. And then as it's unfolding, you like want it to not work out because you want to be right. But if it works out and the Yankees win, you're going to be happy, you know? So like, what would you rather feed into? Probably ultimately on a cool head, you'd rather be happy than be correct, you know? So I try and take that mentality um, into different areas of my life where it's just like, I would rather be happy than be right. And so I don't have this like incredibly fierce desire to be proven correct because I think that like, the positive feeling you get from that dissipates really quickly. Like, once someone admits, like, yeah, you know what, you were right. Like, that's not satisfying to me. You know, what's satisfying to me is being full of joy. And um, and so, yeah, it doesn't mean I'm naive to things that are, you know, bad. Um, and, like, or, like, was I disappointed by the final three episodes of this season of Game of Thrones? Yes, I was disappointed. But what I think is, like, totally unfair and too negative is to be like, you know, Oh my gosh, they ruined the entire show. Or like, you know, or for example, like for me, um, the long night episode three was actually awesome. And I felt like people were like looking for reasons for it not to be at that point, you know, it's like, and so I think I just try and look for the positive first before I go negative. And there are a lot of like, you know, if I'm entertained and whatever, I try, I tend to give you the benefit of the doubt. I also think I kind of like try and think of the creative process and how difficult it is. And it's hard for me to just like totally shit on someone's work, you know, like it's a, you know, and, and it's even like, even I, I, I try and make it more than that too. Like, even when I, you know, when people are complaining about someone and something they do and whatever, it's like, I don't even like to say like, yeah, that person's an asshole, you know? Cause I'm like, I don't know. They probably have some good qualities in there somewhere, you know, like, it's just like this thing they're doing is asshole-ish, you know, or or whatever, you know, like, but they may not actually be that or, or maybe there's, an, there's a reason why they're behaving this way or, you know, or whatever. So, I mean, I try and take that general mentality because I think it makes for a happier life. And I do think at the end of the day, most of us have, and I'm, there are obviously some exceptions, but I think most of us even when we do things that maybe are you know, you know, a little bit questionable or distasteful, most of us have a lot of uh, good percolating, and sometimes it's just better to try and understand why rather than just you know, cast someone
0: aside. And you mentioned the Game of Thrones finale and Star Wars, all things that uh, you and CC talk about on the R2C2 podcast, which comes out every Thursday. And, and a happy belated to that podcast, just turned two Thank years you. old, I believe. Yep, uh, absolutely. So can you just take us back two-plus years? How did this idea for the podcast come about how did cc get on board just you know what went into making it what it is now which is this great podcast that brings on all different yankees you had mookie Betts and david price on a couple weeks ago which even despite the teams they represent was an awesome awesome episode thank you man thank you yeah i'm glad you brought up that episode because i
2: saw a lot of people like ryan how could you this is treasonous behavior (laughs) and i'm like (laughs) "What? what like this is, you're going to be interested in your so-called enemy, which they're not my enemy, but like, you know, no matter what, right? Wouldn't you rather hear a more interesting, insightful take on those guys than just like sort of a cursory glance at them, you know? And and it also kind of shows you the commonality. Plus, I always think there's like, and I'll, and I'll answer your actual question in a second, but I always think there's like this idea that, you know, if people are friendly or don't hate someone then they can't compete against them you know and to me that's absurd like i don't know about you guys but when i played sports growing up it was mostly against my best friends i wanted to win just as badly against them as i did anybody who i disliked you know it's about competition and and just because you like a guy or two on a given team doesn't mean you don't hate that team you know so I think that's the thing. Like if you ask CC, does he get great joy in beating the Red Sox? He'd say, hell yes, especially the way it felt last year. Does he, is he also still friends with David Price and Mookie Betts? Yes. Like the things are not mutually exclusive. And I think that was one thing people kind of lost uh, in the shuffle who, who were not open-minded about the podcast with Price and Betts. Thank you for being open-minded because I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Um, and, you know, CeCe, two years ago, spring training 2017, me and him had always, like, as we got, um, you know, as we developed more and more of a relationship, we'd always talked about maybe doing something together at some point. And, um, and he was like, you know, at one point it was a radio show, and I was like, yo, we should do a podcast. And, and you know, we kind of would just talk about it. And then spring of 2017, he reached out to me and was like, hey, let's do the podcast. And I was like like when he was like let's do it let's do it now and i was like oh, okay and uh you know i basically was like let's have a serious conversation about it and i got on the phone and i was like look man if we do this i don't want it to be uh about turning molehills into mountains the way that i think a lot of talk radio is and that the, the way i experienced talk radio in the years that i did it you know i don't want us making huge deals out of little things like i'd rather it be about storytelling and getting to know guys personalities and things along those lines and, and he was like 100% cuz that's what I want to do what do you think you think I want to be ripping people who I'm playing against it with I was like no 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 you know but so we were all on we had like an hour-long conversation about what our vision would be for it and we were on the same page and then we were like all right you know where would we want to go with it because I knew I didn't want to like be in charge of the production because I didn't have time for that obviously CC wouldn't have time for that So we thought, you know what, Players Tribune kind of is on brand with the way we want to do this, which is empowering athletes and their message, and then eventually Uninterrupted, I think, is a similar kind of message. And so we went there with that. Um, And I think the reason it's turned into what it's turned into is because of CeCe and his incredible commitment to it. You know, I mean, a lot of times um, when people get involved in projects that are not their main thing, they're not invested and they let them go by the wayside really quickly And CC has been so dedicated to this and committed and he enjoys it. Um, and because of that, we've been able to get consistency and traction and he treats it very seriously while still clearly prioritizing pitching, which he should. And while I still clearly prioritize my play by play, which I should, we both are seriously committed to getting it done and providing something to the audience that is unique. Um, and I think for both of us, it just allows us to have really interesting conversations and, and I say the most gratifying part is literally every single person who comes on, literally all of them, when they're done, they're like, man, that was fun. I want to do that again. You know, I mean, whether it's Michael Strahan or it's Sue Bird or it's, um, you know, uh, Dee Dee or, or you know, Aaron Judge, whoever it is, they're all like, "Yo, that was different. That was fun. You know, like they just have a totally different experience. And we find that, you know, so satisfying. Like even talking with Romine recently, he was like bro, I looked up, I was like, what? We've already been talking for 30 minutes. Are you kidding me? This is flying by, you know, like, so that's the best
1: part to me is like seeing how much guys enjoy it. So, I mean, uh, something I'm already excited about for your podcast is just to hear what the heck happened with a Garcia last night and Cece. That was, <laughs> <laughs> as we were talking before the recording, that was awesome. And it also, also gives, I mean, it gives the team a spark, right? They seem a little lethargic coming yeah. out of the break. Knowing CC, I mean, we've seen him get into it with Jackie Bradley, Josh Reddick. Now, if Visiel Garcia seems to have made CC's list, um, <laughs> he's always said, that's just who I am. I'm a competitor. But do you think sort of the, do you think he sort of knew things need to get shaken up? And maybe it was just like, this is like a point where I, I can't take this anymore. I got to explode. We got to wake up. Do you think he's that sort of competitor and teammate where he just knew that they needed a little jumpstart and boy, did it work? If that's what he wanted to do.
2: You know, it is interesting because I agree with you. They've, they've seemed like just a little sleepy, right? Like just, uh, you know, just not their typical at bats. I feel like they've kind of had, they slightly just, I want to say like they're, they've kind of just felt and looked a little sleepy, you know? Um, And so I do think it was the right time for CC to do that. Um, I don't know if it was a conscious choice though, because, he usually says, like, I don't know what the hell I'm saying, man. I'm just going nuts out there. You know, like, so, like, my interpretation, knowing him the way I do, is that he's competitive. Last time Garcia was up, he was kind of trotting around the bases. Like, he thought he definitely got it, and Gardner robbed him. And I think I saw CeCe kind of shoot a look at him, and this is just me. I I am going to ask CeCe about it. Uh, we're recording today. I don't know when you guys are releasing this pod, but we're recording today, Wednesday, uh, to release it um, for our Thursday, you know, R2C2 release. As you know, we release every Thursday. So I'm going to ask him about it today, and we'll, we'll try and get into it more, especially since we're going to have on Didi and Hicks, and Didi was the one who was holding back, CeCe. But my interpretation <laughs> was he probably was like, when he saw Garcia pimping a ball that didn't go out, he probably was like, "Yeah, you know, thinking, yeah, what, man? You didn't hit it. You didn't hit it far enough. You know, kind of doing his normal kind of thing." And then when he struck him out, and Garcia kind of seemed to not be thrilled with the call, I think CC was probably just doing his thing where he's like screaming to the sky, not at him. Like as you guys have seen, CC does that a lot, where he's just like kind of yelling, but not at anyone in particular. And I think Garcia probably thought he was yelling at him. And then was like, what are you doing, man? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a relaxed guy. I'm not saying anything. And then CC basically was like, oh, you think I'm talking to you? No, if I was talking to you, I'd be talking to you, you know, and the competitive juices, you know, I, they, they, they run hot. So, I, well, that's what Aaron Boone kind of said, right? He's like, hey, CC kind of runs hot, <laughs> you know, and like, I think that's basically what it is i think cc says a lot of things that he has no real conviction in but it's just a product of his competitive energy when he's on the field and some people interpret it as him just being kind of a wild man yelling to the sky and some people think it's more of a direct assault and the people who think it's a direct assault go back at him and then they get a direct assault so like i i think that's kind of how i would break it down (laughs)
0: <laughs> you always see, you always see um, CC wearing that Yogi shirt from the Yogi Museum. I, I think if I was talking to you, then I'd be talking to you as the new Yogiism. It sounds, yeah, it sounds I, I like. Think it. You're
2: right. No, I just I don't know if you guys saw, but Roto Wear already put out a shirt with that quote. <laughs> so I, I literally, I just bought one um, today for uh, for me, and then I bought one for my boy Deep, who's a diehard Yankee fan, who I was watching the game
0: with last night uh, when it happened. So. I literally, uh, literally just got that today. <laughs> We're talking with uh, Ryan Rucco of the Yes Network and R2C2. Last question for you, Ryan. You've talked to yeah. so many Yankees th- through your podcast experience and from interviewing them on, on the Yes Network. and. You've shed them in a different light as well, like the Game of Thrones panel discussion. I know I would have listened to a Game of Thrones podcast hosted by Mike Talkman after hearing how much he knew about the show. Oh my show. gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. He's a maester. Yeah, he, he is. But um, if, if if anyone on the Yankees were to kind of take yours and CeCe's route and start their own podcast, I mean, who, who do you envision being the best podcast host on the Yankees, and what do you think they would talk about?
2: It's a great question.
0: Um So
2: I think Cameron Mabin is probably the guy I think would be the best host. Um, He's got a ton of personality. He's extremely smart. He's beloved. He's experienced. And I think he would do an amazing job of like kind of being honest because he has cloud in, in the league. Right. He's not worried about like building up towards something where he has to be too careful about what he says. So I think i go with Mabin um, and, you know, but the guy who would be, if he was his true self on air, who's the wildest, maniac, hilarious personality guy is Tommy Canely. Like, Tommy is out of his mind in the best <laughs> way possible. And, like, I think if you were just looking for, like, the purely most – and, like, Like Tommy could be like a dude on first take, you know, like if you're like just like looking for the the guy who's just like, you know, pure, like kind of like adolescent joy, you'd go with Tommy Canely because that guy is just like, you know, you you just you love him. He's like a he's like a big fun bear, you know, and I, I feel like as a as a podcast host, as long as he was his normal self, he would say ridiculous things. He has absolutely absurd knowledge about sports. Like he is just the biggest diehard sports fan. He's supremely relatable and likable and silly. And I think he'd be a really fun host. So maybe like you know Maven and Canley.
0: That sounds like a good show. I'd listen to that. Yeah, um, man. I think they do a good job with it. All right, and, and you do a great job with R2C2. That's Ryan Rucco. Everyone can catch that podcast on Thursday mornings. You can catch his work on the Yes Network, ESPN, just all over the place. Ryan, thanks so much for taking some time. It was just great uh, getting to experience the Yankees through your lens. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I sincerely appreciate it, and keep up the excellent work.
2: We always appreciate the kind words uh, that you guys spread, and uh, and best of luck uh, with the pod. Continued uh, Continued success for you guys. Thanks,
0: Ryan. Okay, again, special thanks to Ryan Rucco. Just had an awesome time talking with him and and walking in in his shoes for a little while. And, uh, and Sean, I know R2C2 is, is probably doing us uh, a disservice, but R2C2 is our favorite, favorite podcast. It's just awesome to listen to him and CC's chemistry. And I, I liked his choice. I definitely would listen to a Cameron Mabin podcast, given how he was when uh, when he was on R2C2 talking about Game of Thrones.
1: hundred percent. And, yeah, no, it was awesome to talk to Ryan. Um, yeah, I would I, – Mabin's episode was awesome, and Mabin's awesome in all of his interviews on Twitter. He'd be a fun personality, but I love listening to it with CC. He keeps it, um, he keeps it very real and uh, and very uh, very authentic, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, he's he's like the perfect he's like the perfect guy to to pair with Ruko, too, because they well obviously they have a great rapport, but also CC just gives you such a lens into the clubhouse because he's one of the most revered guys in that clubhouse, so he can. shed light into what's going on who you know who has certain tendencies like who has funny funny quirks like who's the crazy one it's he's definitely uh the perfect counterpart there and hopefully they keep doing that for uh for years to come and i know we're both looking forward to thursday's episode when Dee Dee and and hicks are on i think that'll be a, a great listen and um, did you see um, DD's new? Uh, I mean, obviously the DD victory tweets are back, which I can't believe we didn't bring up yet because that's huge news and very happy to see that. But now he's also posting some of it looks like his artwork on Instagram. Did you see? Um, did you see what he posted on Instagram after last night's game?
1: I do not have an Instagram account. So I, well, I'm,
0: neither do I. But they, he it was shared on Twitter by uh, Meredith Morakovitz. And it was, it was pretty awesome. I'm, hold on. I'm bringing it up right now. But she, um, yeah, uh, I'm,
1: I'm sharing, looking for Meredith on Twitter.
0: She tweeted it after the game. Now I can't find it. Where'd it go?
1: Yeah, I, the last tweet from her is 21 hours ago.
0: Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person that tweeted. Oh out, but no! I
1: found it. He, she. You know what? She, you got to go to tweets and replies because she. Oh, uh,
0: okay.
1: She didn't do the period first. Just a little bit of a, you know, a little Twitter mishap. It happens sometimes. <laughs> sometimes when I'm tweeting at people to try to get them on the show, I'm like, damn! I hope nobody else follows them so I so they don't see me begging.
0: Oh no! Yeah, it's completely shameless. We we do what we can. I tweeted at A Rod. Didn't work out, but.
1: Damn this this was quick.
0: How it cool are did those?
1: some good work. Yeah, I mean, what is he afraid the Yankees are going to sue him if he puts the NY on the jersey? But that's <laughs> awesome.
0: <sighs> All right. Well, uh, so we talked about the R two C two podcast that we're looking forward to this week. What else? What else are we uh, looking forward to this week?
1: Well, I, I mean, I know you're not the biggest Chapman fan, and while I'm not personally a fan of him, he's done an excellent job this year. All star, well deserved. But I know you're feeling very down about him. Uh, coming off, off the loss on Monday, you got to be very happy that, I think it was Ken Rosenthal's reporting, he's a million percent, which, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of percents uh, opting out. So he'll be a free agent at the end of this year. So we're going to lose our closer, but you, you're probably happy about that.
0: Okay. A, we're not going to lose our closer because it's the Yankees, and they will pay whatever it takes for big-name relievers to keep their Super Bowl Ben. So I really don't think him opting out means he's gone. And B to defend myself. I obviously know Chapman's a great closer. He's been very, uh, except for that one random stretch in, what was it, 2017 when he was, uh, he was really bad for that stretch before he turned it on for the playoffs. He's, he's been fantastic. What I was saying was, I feel like I'm cursed because every time, every time I get home from work for a ninth inning that he's pitching, the, every, it's, it's an adventure. Every time I see him pitch, I feel like, I feel like I only am able to turn the TV on when he's running into trouble. Maybe that means he runs into trouble a lot and gets out of it, so his numbers are still good. But I feel like every time he comes to the mound, I'm having a heart attack. And, of, of course, part of that's probably just because we're spoiled. We grew up with Mariano Rivera where nothing was ever really an adventure. He just came in through strikes, broke bats, and got the job done. But, um, yeah, honestly, I don't think I don't think Chapman opting out means he's gone because I could see the Yankees still being willing to pay for him. Although, you know, you, you see what happened to Kimbrel, and then maybe that makes you rethink what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, first first thought was interesting choice for Chapman to opt out because of seeing what happened to Kimbrel, who's kind of a counterpart in a way, although Chapman's a little better. But, um, yeah, uh, interest, interesting. And, obviously, it's coming from Ken Rosenthal. so
1: It's legit. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm looking at the other free agent relievers next year. Pedro Strop do anything for you? Um, Kenley Jansen can opt out of his deal too, so there's there's also that.
0: He's another he's another one who runs in who goes through a lot of rough but I feel like so dodging. many
1: re, hmm? yeah I feel like so many relievers run into trouble all the time though. I mean like remember <laughs> after Mo left, Robertson was always in trouble. That's he's Houdini. I mean that's always what he did in his year. And even um, Andrew Miller used to run into trouble all the time. That's too. true.
0: That's I, true.
1: I mean, you think about the you know. But uh, I mean, you know, uh, it's not good that he's opting out because the, the deal has actually wound up being a very good deal. And for one that I killed when it happened. Um, but, you know, a lot of that was personal reasons for his history. But yeah, um, it's wound up being a good baseball deal. That's 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 for sure. And, uh, and that makes me wonder if Potances comes back and has a strong, strong tail here coming off an injury. Maybe it's a cheaper um Maybe it's a cheaper option than keeping Chapman, and then you could close with with Britton or something like that. Although he's, you know, no sure thing either. But he did a good job last night, coming in, and shutting things down. But we'll see what happens. I mean, can't worry about that now. No,
0: uh, especially not when we have David Hale anyway.
1: David Hale say, David Hale was one of the unsung heroes <laughs> last night. He got a big double. We are him, but he got a big double play there in the, the top of the seventh, I think, or the top of the eighth. And um, yeah, unsung hero in the, in that game. And that that's that's what's Dude, I mean, not to, not to get on the side. That's what I love about baseball. It's like we're talking about all this game. We haven't even brought up David Hale who gets out of this huge jam. And another thing that didn't turn out good, but the night before was so fun. Like you get Darno having this massive, like, I'm awful, you know, game against us and, and from, from our, our perspective. And then in the ninth inning with two outs, he comes up as the go-ahead run. And he's like in this battle and it's like this can only happen in baseball. And that's what makes the game so great. And it's like – I don't know. I have a hard time articulating why I like baseball so much, but that moment there was exactly it. Because no matter what side you're on, it's like this is so so tense. You know what I mean? And it didn't turn out great for us on Monday, but it turned out great for us on Tuesday. So that's that's what matters.
0: That's right. And hopefully, those great times continue. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, what, what are we? What are you looking forward to this coming uh, week?
1: Let's see. This week coming up, I guess. Um, I mean, apparently. First of all, my amateur team, our amateur team, really, I have been around so much lately, but you'll be around <laughs> this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. But we actually, with four games to go, and I have a 22-game season, we already locked up first place. You know, we're 15, we're, you know, 15 wins already, so that's pretty awesome. So we're playing, apparently, a very good team. There's going to be scouts there to look at the other team. I don't know how real that is, but that's what I've been told. This is so our much- chance
0: for a big break.
1: I'm excited to strike out four <laughs> times. That's why, like, when Ruco was asking, like, you face guys, I'm like, I got cut from my high school team, and if the ball's going over 65 miles an hour, I might as well turn around and go home, because I'm not going to hit it. <laughs> so I'm excited to go 0 for 3 with three Ks, and um, then probably sit myself in the second game, because I'll be so embarrassed. But uh, it'll be fun to play together, for sure. Um, and I'm excited for your birthday, man. It's, you know, what are you, 29 now? 28? Yeah, 29,
0: 29.
1: No, next year, it's a big one.
0: Yeah. Not looking forward to that one. If, if we're podcasting a year from now, that will not be my thing I'm looking forward to. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to getting back on the field again. I haven't been able to play in a few weeks because of work. But i um, not looking forward to the weather forecast, but I am looking forward to playing again. So. Well, we're
1: playing under the outer bridge, so Smitty told me that there should be some shade there. So we'll be, we'll be, we'll be in the shade, <laughs> according to Smitty.
0: Well, Grandpa Smitty is a good source, considering he's lived in Perth Amboy for 80 years. So he would know more than anybody but um yeah other than that just looking forward to hopefully some more uh, some more dingers and some more yankees breaking out of their uh brief offensive slumps and again yeah hopefully that continues through this series and the yankees could maintain or expand their lead in the division so we'll see where they stand in the al east when we come back until then huge huge thanks to ryan rucco it was just awesome to talk to and uh, hopefully another exciting guest for next week we'll talk to you then
1: See you later, everybody.